Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, out of court issues as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. This episode of Slam the Gavel is sponsored by CPS Protect Consulting Services. Child protective services cases are among the most frightening experiences for any parent to endure. Don't face them alone. With urgent assist by CPS Protect, you get the peace of mind to raise your children as you see fit and the personalized assistance of their team of expert child welfare consultants, former CPS investigators themselves, right when you need it. Get started absolutely free at cpsprotect.com forward slash register. Another announcement, Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away in the fall of 2022. Bradley is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will then face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system, where he can't speak or understand the language. He will then be taken away from the only family he has ever known, and we have Judge Ann Donnelly to thank for that, and please call Governor Hochul, New York State, 518 Zero. That's Governor Hochul, 518-474-8390, to please keep Bradley here safe in these United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. One last announcement. Go to the site, pleasedoyourjob.com. We need 2,000 more signatures to get a case reopened. That's pleasedoyourjob.com. I have a brand new guest on. I have attorney and professor Paul Clark on. He has gone to the University of Chicago. He also teaches at uh, Hudson Community College for the last 10 years. And his field is uh, civil law and gag orders and child custody issues. So I welcome you, Attorney Paul Clark. We're going to talk about gag orders and everything such as that. Hi, Marianne. Thanks for having me on. I'm so honored to have you on. Oh, I'm happy to be here. By the way, just on your introduction, I'm not being paid to say this, and I didn't know you were going to say it, but I, I would second that people do need help when they are confronted by child protective services. Most parents think, well, I haven't done anything wrong. I have nothing to worry about. You have everything to worry about when child oh. protective services comes to your door. So, so yeah, so make sure, don't say, well, I have nothing to worry about. I don't have to, uh, you know, I can just talk to them because that's not the way it works. Exactly. So I, so I, I wholeheartedly endorse. Yeah, people. When people are confronted with these problems, they need to get help and and check with people that are able to help them. I agree because it's happened to me, and uh, you need an attorney. I hate to say it, but they put you in that position. Yeah, and they'll say, "Well, you must have done something wrong. You wouldn't need an attorney unless you've done something wrong." No garbage, but that's that's the line they take. As I'm sure you know. Well, welcome to America. You're guilty until proven innocent. Yes. Well, th that's unfortunately pretty much true everywhere. No one wants to live in a country where innocent people are put in jail, where innocent people have their children taken away. So we automatically, just as a self-defense mechanism, oh, that person must have done something wrong because you don't want to admit you live in a country where innocent people go to jail every day. Good, loving parents lose their children every day. And no one wants to admit it because that's a horrible cruel reality in which we live but that is the reality in which we live it is and it's just it doesn't stop that's the thing is i talk to a lot of parents that have gone through child custody issues that also involve cps and then they get put on gag orders and then i can't talk to them and they can't tell their story well exactly and again that's what we're, we're really here to talk about today this is one of the basic tools that the state uses 
to try to hide things. And, and it's actually amazing. I mean, if, if there's anything that is more profoundly contrary to the rule of law, it's gag orders. In the Roman Empire, trials were to be conducted in the open so that everyone could know what's going on, so there'd be no shenanigans. I mean, Caligula and Nero didn't, didn't have gag orders. Even they, these crazy emperors who were so full of themselves. I mean, like Nero wanted, when his wife, just to give you an idea, but I mean, Nero still didn't do this. But again, just it's an aside, but I was reading the other day about Nero. His wife died, and then he found a male slave that looked kind of like his wife. So he had the male slave castrated to turn him into a woman and then decided to marry him. But even that guy, wow. even that bastard, didn't try and close trials. But we <laughs> do it here in New Jersey. And oh. then again, go forward. The, 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 um, the statutes of West Jersey, the founding document of New Jersey, where I practice, uh, guaranteed all trials shall be open to the public there should be no secret proceedings this is this is uh i think it's six uh sorry 50, i think it's 1587 that's how old this is 1587 the founding charter of new jersey says no secret trials all trials shall be open to the public and here we are in the 21st century and trials are closed routinely and uh, litigants, including parents, are gagged, and they're not allowed to talk to people. And then these uh, family courts get away with murder, literally murder. But they get away with, with other things. They take away children. They, they cover, overcover child abuse. And they uh, destroy families. Mm -hmm. And then they put a gag order in place so that nobody can talk about it, so that they can pretend it doesn't exist. They sweep it under the carpet. And that's what these gag orders do. So it's profoundly contrary to the rule of law. It's profoundly contrary to 2,000 years of legal tradition. And here we are in a situation where people are put in jail or people are fined, people for just trying to talk about what happens in a courtroom. Yeah, it's sad. It's really sad that uh, you can be so beaten up, have your kids taken away and legally abused on a regular basis, but yet you can't talk about it. Right. You know, what and again, is... it just... Oh, go ahead. It, it just propagates the problem because, again, people don't know. They think a lot... In fact, a lot of people think, well, I must be the only one. This can't be happening to everybody because I would be hearing about it. But, of course, there's these gag orders. So mm -hmm. they're not hearing about it. And, and again, particular things like people of color... You know, um, I, I have a friend in New Jersey. I won't mention the name, but a friend who works for a New Jersey... A public defender who does child in, in, in need proceedings represents the parents and everybody knows that black and brown people have their children taken away disproportionately and nobody wants to talk about it and, mm -hmm. and and the judges will shut the person up like my friend says you go into court and you're like well your honor this is another black child being told no shut up shut up counsel this is you can't talk about other cases they're confidential they're closed this is the only case you can talk about we need to pretend like minorities are not having their children taken away on a disproportionate basis, but it affects everyone, of course. I mean, it's whites as well as, as well as others, but uh, it's such a crazy system. I mean, people, you know, basically uh, the, the government, the system is, works on money. Every time they take away a child, they make more money. Mm -hmm. So it's this, uh, you know, industry of making money on the backs of broken families oh. and ruining the lives of children and parents and it's an epidemic in the United States. The United States has the highest rate of single parent families in the world. And the statistics on single parents 
uh, on suicide, crime, shooting up people half the time when there's a when there's a, you know one of these crazy kids goes into a high school and shoots up the place. You, you almost always you can bet they come from a broken home. And again, the, the prisons are full of people from broken homes. Mm -hmm. But it's the state that's breaking the homes. They're going in and intervening in perfectly healthy families based on nothing so that they can make more money. They can propagate the system and, you know, and they can screw up the whole world, but they don't care. No, they don't. And that's why they keep building more prisons. Yeah. <laughs> I just, well, you know, like, or, or, or detention facilities, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, right. it's, it's a big right. business. It is. And um, I hear they have trade shows where they show off fancier toilets if prisons want to buy those, things like that. Well, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm not familiar with that, but it wouldn't surprise me. The, well, listen, the more, you know, the only place in the world where you can charge $10,000 for a toilet is the government. No private party would spend that. But if you're for the government and you can just, you know, uh, just hit a button, type it in, create another trillion dollars in debt, just add it to the national debt. There's another trillion. Okay. And we can, you can spread the money around. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the government for you. Right. And also there's a problem with foster care. I bet those cases, a lot of, I heard a lot of those cases are sealed as well. I don't know. Yeah, I assume they are again. I don't, yeah, I don't do a lot with foster care, but again, the whole system is sealed and covered up uh, in order to, to hide what's going on. Yeah. Is there any way around a gag order? I know the answer is no. Well, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, there's a couple of problems. So first of all, of course, most parents are so terrified that they're going to lose their children. They just shut up and they do what they're told, mm -hmm. which I understand. I mean, again, you know, you know, for most people, the most important thing in your life is your children. And they're terrified when they're at the prospect of losing a child. So the judge tells them, jump through hoop, jump through second hoop, third hoop, fifth hoop, mm -hmm. 67th hoop. They do it. So, you know, and again, that's a decision people have to make. So if you challenge the gag order, of course, then, you know, you, you risk everything because then the judge really gets upset with you because, oh, my gosh, you're challenging my gag. I mean, even if you do it completely above board, they're furious. Mm -hmm. You know, you just you like you go to the appellate division, for instance. So, again, the, some of the legal recourse you you. And again, most most of these gag orders are completely illegal. The judge just puts in a gag order with no basis whatsoever, just decides one day, you know what, I think there should be a gag order in this case, or maybe one of the parties says, hey, judge, put in a gag order. Says, sure, why not? No hearing, no no, no basis, just puts in a gag order. So, but again, if you even say you, you, you try and go to the appellate division, you file a, what's called an interlocutory appeal, ask for the gag order to be overturned, and they're very rarely heard. Now, we've actually seen this, for instance, in the, in the Donald Trump case. There's a similar thing, because, as you know, he's having this so-called criminal trial and they have a gag order in that case where Trump is not supposed to criticize uh, different people. And, of course, Trump tried to appeal, which he did. Again, you can do this. You can try and appeal it. But it's very hard to get an interlocutory appeal heard, especially in New Jersey and, and in most states. It's actually a little easier in the federal courts. The federal courts are a bit a bit better, a bit more open. But anyway, again, just to answer your question, what can you do? Well, I mean, your first thing is you can actually go to the. Uh, appellate division and you can have an interlocutory order and say this gag order is unconstitutional it's illegal was entered without basis the, the odds of the appellate division hearing it are almost zero uh -huh. in fact i've never heard i mean again from in new jersey i've never heard of the appellate division overturning a gag order on an interlocutory basis 
So your chances of being heard are very, very slim. But what happens? The, the trial judge is pissed off at you like you wouldn't believe. How dare you? Now, he won't say this, but believe me. He'll, his thought is, how dare you? I'm a judge. I'm infallible. I'm like God. Oh, yeah. How dare you go to a higher court? This is their attitude. Mm -hmm. So they get they get upset at you and they take it out on you. So then so you can try that. You can try the federal court. In fact, you have every right to go to the federal court. And again, I've done many cases like this. Uh, when, when a state court issues a gag order, the federal courts have jurisdiction to review it. Now, again, we've had a little more success here. But again, unfortunately, most federal judges are very reluctant to get involved. Uh, they're judges, too. And, uh, you know, they they don't like you challenging judges. So you've got a little more uh, hope, perhaps, at the federal level. Mm -hmm. But again, it, it takes years. They can drag these things out forever and ever and ever so that you probably, you know, if you ever get a decision, it won't be for years later. In fact, their intent is they'll drag it out until all the children are dead or the oh. children are 25 and they say, well, the gag order has been in effect for 10 years, but never mind anymore. Mm -hmm. So they can drag it out forever. I've had gag order cases drag on. In fact, I've had a, I have drag, a, a gag order case that I'm still litigating. It, the first gag order was put in in 2014. It's been 10 years and we're oh. still litigating it. So they can drag it out forever. But you do have a right to go to the federal court and have it reviewed. But if you thought the judge was upset when you went to the appellate division, it's even worse when you go to the federal court. Because I'm God. I'm a judge. How dare you go complain to somebody else? They're furious. And it doesn't matter what. I had I had a case where, for instance, the, the there was a an illegal levy that was put on my client. And it was illegal under federal law. And we went to, to the Federal Department of Labor again. They don't want to go into long detail, but just to, to illustrate the same case, the, the same idea, right? There was a judge that ordered that a, that a, that a, a parent's salary be levied 100% of his salary, which is illegal under federal law. You can't levy 100% of a person's salary. There are limits under federal law. Oh so God. we filed an application with the U.S. Department of Labor, and they came back and they wrote a letter to the judge, and they said, it appears that you're trying to levy 100% of this gentleman's salary. You can't do that under federal law. There are limits to how much salary you can limit. And the Department of Labor is the federal agency that, that deals with this. The judge was furious. He was shouting at him. He was like, how dare you go to the Department of Labor? How dare you, Mr. Clark? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, he was literally shouting at me for, for pursuing my client's legal rights and winning. And this judge was furious that he had that the federal government come in and said, uh, "Judge, you violated federal law." And and, and then he tried to. He actually was shouting at him. He said, "Well, it wasn't really a violation of federal law. It was a mistake. It was a mistake." No, it was a mistake, Mr. Clark. I made a mistake, an honest mistake. Oh. You took away my client's entire salary, and you oh. call it a mistake. What's he supposed to live on? And you call it a mistake. I call it a violation of federal law. And guess what? You make a mistake, you go to jail. Does a criminal defendant get to say, well, your honor, it was an honest mistake? No. You make a mistake, you violate the law, you go to jail. Judges make mistakes. Well, it's a mistake, Mr. Clark. Yeah, I violated the law. Sure, the federal government said I violated the law, but it was a mistake. How dare you go to go? Anyway, so this is the, uh, so wow. the point. Is, judges are so full of themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anytime you try and go over their head, 
They will be furious at you. So the answer to your question is, are there, can you challenge gag orders? Mm. Yes, you can. You have you have you can challenge them in federal court. You can challenge them in state court. Uh, you know, you have you have legal remedies. Obviously, there, there, you know, there may be ways you can protest it in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, like, I've had clients that like carry around signs. I've been gagged. I can't tell you about it, but I've been gagged. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can you can do things like that. You can try and protest. So there are some options. But again, I warn your clients or, you know, I warn your your, your listeners that, you know, it's dangerous because, you know, the system does not take it lightly. Mm-hmm. The system works based on fear. They need parents to be afraid of them. They need parents to be so terrified that they will just do what they're told. And so when it's a system that's based on fear, anybody that actually tries to stand up for themselves, those people have to be squashed like a bug so that no one else will ever dare to stand up to the system. And and that's how it works. And that's so sad. What has this country turned into? Well, even ancient Rome under Nero wasn't wasn't this bad. They wouldn't take your children away from you, and they'd have open trials. Although I guess Nero took the took the, the child away from the family to cut off his testicles and call him a girl and say he was going to marry him. But but I guess that's happening in the United States too these days. So you know, the more times change, the more they stay the same. You know, how did you get into this field of law? And so it must be frustrating with these. These poor parents and these gag orders. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, it's a, a constant battle. But um, I don't know. I just kind of got pulled into it. There's very few attorneys that are willing to, to do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, again, mo- you have to understand most attorneys don't work for you. They work for the judge. Mm-hmm. So you may pay an attorney $100,000, but he doesn't work for you. He works for the judge. He's the judge says, well, you're an officer of the court. You work for me. That schmuck over there, he may be paying you, but you don't work for him. You work for me. And then the attorneys go into the judge's chambers and they laugh about how much money they're taking from the client and they pat each other on the back. And this is how most attorneys are. They do nothing. They, 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 most attorneys, again, especially if you want to be a judge in your, yourself one day, the cushiest job in the world. So mm-hmm. you want to be a judge yourself one day, don't make waves. Kiss up to every judge. Mm-hmm. Tell the judge you're the greatest guy in the world. And obviously my client is stupid and I'm sorry about that. When I'm in court, when he's present, I may have to pretend like he's he's a human being. But you and I both know that he's just a worm. He or she is as of no consequence whatsoever. This is this is how they talk. Mm-hmm. So there's very few attorneys that actually do this kind of thing. And the few of us that there are, uh, they'll try and destroy and come after. They'll accuse you of being disrespectful to the judge or, you know, whatever, or, or how dare you go over my head and and, um, you know, I mean, I've many times in court thought I was going to be arrested. The judge was so angry at me. He was going to tell him, take this, this person into, into, into custody, lock him up. How dare he, he, he you know, uh, tell me I violated the law or I did something, something wrong. That's, you know, it's scary because you work so hard for your law degree. <laughs> You've done all these years helping these people. And then you have to live in fear of uh, a power hungry judge. Well, that's the way it is. I mean, I wouldn't say I live in fear. I mean, the worst they can do is send me to Guantanamo Bay and waterboard me. But at the end of the day, I'll be with Jesus. I'll be happy. Well, I'll be dead. And we'll, one of, we'll be with Jesus. And we'll be in the armpit of Lucifer. And I plan to be with Jesus, not Lucifer. So, you know, oh, who knows? Yeah. But Well, you know, I, I know my listeners have probably heard the story. Some maybe have it. But 
the judge I had was running a three ring circus in family court. I don't well, know. Yeah. Well, when you're a clown, you run a circus. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, one minute he's talking about a pension fund. Then he's talking about child custody. And then he's talking about child support. Like your head was spinning. Like what topic are we on now? And so, you know, I asked God multiple times, God, you deal with him, deal mm -hmm. with him. So get this, on March 2nd was when he took my kids away based on false accusations and perjury of a CPS caseworker. Right. And, you know, God has his own timing, but get this, on March 2nd of 2017, the judge died of pancreatitis. Mm -hmm. Kind of too much of the, you know, <laughs> at the yeah. club. Well, yeah. God. Again, I don't know the judge, I don't know, but but okay, I take your word for it. <laughs> no, see, well, God deals with people. People say, "Oh, karma, karma." Well, you know, karma's way more creative than we are. Well, there's no, yeah, there's no justice in this world. Hopefully, there'll be justice in the next. Yes, yes. You know, even even my friends have said he's answering to a higher judge, and it ain't pretty. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, we have to pray for these people. I mean, it's sad. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole system is so corrupting. The problem is, again, people are, you know, people that go to law school, they're all so idealistic. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, right all the wrongs in the world. Most law students, when they first go, they're very idealistic. They think they're going to help people out. But the problem is you get caught up in the system. You come out, you start clerking for a judge. The judge is an absolute bastard. But what can you do? You're a law clerk. You have to you want to make sure you get a good recommendation. What do you do? You defend the judge. You defend everything that the judge does. And you kiss his butt. And you say, well, judge, you're so great. I mean, you know, so you can get a good recommendation. Mm -hmm. So you start off, you're corrupted right off the bat. And then, uh, you know, it just goes on year after year. You just to be successful, you need to kiss up to the judges, not make waves, certainly don't defend controversial clients, never ever do that. Hmm. You know, one of my friends, when we were working in the ER, she said in, about her ex-husband, who was a lawyer, she said, you know, in law school, that's where they teach them how to lie. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, different law schools are different, so I can't, I can't paint with a, with a broad brush. But um, again, I think in law school, people anticipate something very different. But I mean, you know, this is the old diatribe against lawyers. You know, they they, they learn how to be flexible with the truth and how to massage facts and how to leave out certain facts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unfortunately, I think that is can be a skill that's learned in some law schools. Again, not all law schools. But um, it, it can be the case. And again, that's how that's how you're successful. Honest lawyers are at a terrible disadvantage. I mean, the, the legal system largely operates on a, a person's sense of honor. I mean, I mean, for instance, one of the big things we have is discovery. So in discovery, basically, you ask the attorney or the other side for, you know, evidence. And if the attorney is dishonest, he says, no, forget about it. I don't have anything. You know, he's sitting there on a whole stack of stuff. And he just says, no, it doesn't exist. He just refuses, just lies about it. And it happens all the time. An honest attorney says, well, I better turn this over. So you're at a terrible disadvantage. And I mean, you, you, you go into courtroom and the honest attorney concedes uh, things that are, that are true that may not be good for him. But the, the dishonest attorney doesn't and he hides it. In fact, the dishonest attorneys outright bribe judge. They, they, they outright uh, will, will be dishonest. You know, an honest attorney who has to play by, who does play by the rules 
and who you know doesn't engage in bribery and uh, all kinds of things, you're at a terrible disadvantage. So if the whole system is so screwed up that it's 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 really I don't know how we get from here to there. I mean I mean the whole legal system has become an absolute disgrace in our country. I mean you go back to you know hundreds of years ago where you know lawyers uh, I think it was an honorable profession centuries ago. Mm-hmm. Um, today, most lawyers I know are corrupt, dishonest. They don't care about their clients. They don't give a damn about their clients. All they care about is money. And most lawyers won't lift a finger if they don't get paid. And they take the client's money and they do nothing. I hear that. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's all the time. It's constant. And people constantly, I mean, I get so many calls from people who say, Mr. Clark, can you please take my case? I have a lawyer. He's done nothing. I paid him $50,000. He hasn't done anything. And I'm saying, yep. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And again, people are so desperate. They're they're facing prison or they're facing loss of their children. They're so desperate that they'll pay anything. And these and these lawyers will lie to them. They'll say they'll, they'll just make up whatever to, to get the money. Oh yes, I've got an excellent record. I'll I'll make sure you, you don't lose your children. Just give me fifty thousand dollars. And people are so desperate that they do it. They fork over their life savings and they borrow from their family and they give these people. 20, 30, 50, 100,000 dollars. And a lot of the experts are worse. This is this is a cottage industry. If oh, you're a psychologist, yeah. you want to make a lot of money. Let's hear your listeners. Go to some quack law school, get a master's in psychology in a year, and come back and set yourself up as an expert witness in child protective services. We will get paid five hundred dollars an hour to make up the most ridiculous nonsense. And by the way, the cases will be sealed. So that you don't know that in case A, uh, you know, this, so, so this, you know, uh, person, you know, Joan Smith comes into court on, on on Monday morning and says, you see, the child has been abused because I had her draw a picture and the picture of the house does not have curtains in the window. And that shows a child was abused. Yeah. Yeah. Comes in the, I mean, this little this is like a literal case that I know. Mm-hmm. And the judge says, well, OK, sounds good enough for me. Child's been abused because there's no curtains in the windows of the house. Next day, Tuesday, same judge, different case. Child has been abused because I had her draw a picture of a house and there are no curtains in the house in the windows. Therefore, it shows child's been abused. You're out of objection. Yes. Sir. Shut up, counsel. That's confidential. You can't talk about what happened. Literally, this happened. Wow. Literally, the judge, same judge, said to the same attorney, shut up, counsel. You'll be held in contempt of court if you talk about what happened yesterday. But you want to, no, shut up, counsel. Literally, the same person, the same quack expert who said, in one case, no curtains in the window, child abuse. Second case, are curtains in the window, child abuse. They make it up as they go along. Right. So you want to make a lot of money. Get a quack degree in psychology, mm-hmm. set yourself up, schmooze up to the judge, get yourself appointed as an expert for child protective services. You'll make $500 an hour making up the most ridiculous nonsense you could possibly imagine and make a fortune doing it. How you will sleep at night, I don't know. But that's the way they do it. Well, hey, at least they can make their BMW payments. Maybe that's how they're sleeping so good. I don't know. And some of these guys and, and, and ladies, I mean, they, they charge even more if it's a private case because, again, parents are so upset. They have this crazy expert for child protective services and they want to go out and hire someone. And then again, someone who's done this for 10 years. You do this for 10 years for child protective services. Then you go in private practice and then you can really jack up your rates. Now you're getting paid five thousand dollars an hour for making up the same nonsense. 
So that's that's our system. You know, I just it. I, I hear. But again, the gag orders. Getting back to the gag order. This is why it's so crucial. The parents and people involved need to make a record of this, and they need to keep track of these people. When they have one of these quacks come in and says one thing, um, again, maybe there's a gag order, maybe there isn't, but they should try and spread this out through whoever means they can, through social media, through whatever the means is. Um, you know, and, and tell the world, this crazy person had my child taken away because she said there were no curtains in the window. Or, uh, you know, some other crazy case. Oh, he had him draw a picture of the mother and father, and the mother had really big eyes. And then in the other case, no, the father had big eyes. So they make up this nonsense, mm -hmm. whatever it is. But, but you know, keeping a record of this stuff, there has to be a clear record so that there should be like a dossier. I would love to have like a dossier on all these wacky people, all the judges, all the experts, all the child protective services, it's like a clearinghouse, a website people can go to. And well, Jane Smith is an expert in my case. And, you know, you can have all the wacky stuff that Jane Smith has done. Now, again, the problem is so many of these things, so much supposed to be, conf uh, you know, uh, confidential. It's hard to do this. But nonetheless, um, it's something that needs to be done because these people are crooked. They operate in the shadows and they get away with anything that they say because they know it's never going to be made public. They're never going to be called to account, least of all by the judges. The judges are certain. I mean, again, this judge is like, wait a minute, judge, we were here yesterday. Shut up, counsel. Oh. Told, my client friend was literally told, shut up. You can't talk about that. And I mean, I, I've, I've even seen this myself. In fact, I had, I had a, a similar case. I was waiting. In fact, this happened a couple of times where I, where, where I was in the courtroom and I was waiting for my case to be called. And the judge says something that's 180 degrees different from what he said in my case. And then, I'll, 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 again, I'll come, and sometimes it's, sometimes it's criminal, sometimes it's, it's something else. But anyway, but there's been a couple of times when I, I got in front of the judge. I says, well, Your Honor, I'm you know, trying to be respectful for these idiots. Um, you know, well, Your Honor, I, didn't I hear you say blah, 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 blah? And they're like, shut up, counsel, you can't talk. Well, what do you mean I can't talk about it? I didn't say anything. I said, didn't I hear you say? No, you're talking about a case. So there's this, there's this one, a, a case. This judge says, you're talking about a case. Who says I'm talking about a case? I didn't mention any case. I said, I heard you say it. And you're now, oh, shut up. You can't talk about cases. Those cases, what case? So they, they bend over backwards. You can't even quote a judge anonymously. They'll say, well, you're talking about a case. You're violating a protective order. How am I doing that? I said, I heard you say one day. I heard you say blah, blah, blah. So, again, um, you know, it, 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 they go out of their way to block these things. But it's the secrecy. The, the system is held up by the secrecy. That's why these gag orders are so important. And they're so pernicious. And, again, contrary to 2,000 years of legal history, people need to know what's going on. You know, in fact, there was a, um, I think it was uh, the Count de Maribault. The Count de Maribault said, if I had two choices, this is a, a famous uh, 18th, uh, yeah, 18th century French lawyer. He said, if I had a choice between a judge who was bribed, but who had to conduct the trial in public versus a, versus a judge who was not bribed, but was allowed to conduct the child in secret. I would pick the bribed judge in public because there's more control because that judge at least knows people are watching him and he knows he has to mind his P's and Q's. Even if you bribe him, he can't do so much, much harm. But the secret court, forget about it. Judges will do whatever they want because they know there's no repercussions and nobody will know about it.
Well, you know, there there is a site called childabusivejudges.com. Mm-hmm. Where people have, I mean, there's like over 800 judges on there that people, parents have listed, even mm-hmm. psychologists they have listed, because I know I listed everybody in my yeah. case, but Good. yes. And he also has resources on uh, like how to report things. You know, it, it's a really good site, childabusivejudges.com. Okay. So I wasn't, I wasn't doing that, but I'll check it out when I, yeah, I, should, when yeah. I get a chance. Well, you brought that up and I thought, oh, you know, that that site is just so there's everybody, everybody's on there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just so sad what's happening. Uh, A lot of parents, people that I've talked to say there's no justice. I don't trust anybody in a courthouse. I don't trust the police. I don't trust anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good advice. Never trust anyone. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but that's what happens. I mean, look, police and judges are allowed to lie to you. The police are allowed to come here and say, I'm here to help you. Just just tell me the truth. I'm here to help you. And they're lying. And they're allowed to lie. Mm-hmm. Judges do the same thing. I'm here to help you. I'm here to well, you're allowed to lie. There's no repercussions if you lie. Mm. Yeah, this is terrible. Uh, you know, it just I listened to parents, some I got parents calling me. I don't know if there was a full moon this past week, but I just feel my heart breaks for these parents and I I'm so glad my case is over, but theirs have just begun or they're in there for the first couple of four years they've been going. Isn't there a way you can just take these family courts, either abolish them or set limits, time limits. You have 30 days or 60 days to complete a case and then it's over with instead of dragging it out for eight years. So, so a couple of answers. So, I mean, one thing, of course, is there are rules that family court are supposed to be quick, but they're not followed. Right. They're, they're completely ignored. Mm-hmm. Uh, judges routinely drag out year after year, even though there's, for instance, in New Jersey, there's supposed to be a six-month limit on custody uh, challenges. But this, I, I mean, cases go on six years, 10 years. So they don't follow it. And when I've complained to the judges about the, the six-month rule, they ignore it. Well, it's a tough luck. I don't care. Take it up with the appellate division. So that that's one thing. They're supposed to be, you know, faster than they are, but they're not. But the second point you make is actually quite good. The whole family court system should be abolished. It's garbage from beginning to end. I mean, this is all modern. There were no family courts 100 years ago. Through all of human history, there were no family courts. This is a modern pernicious invention. We need to protect children from their parents. That was never the case. You know, Thomas Jefferson said, uh, you know, it's the rare case that a parent is going to abuse his child. But but it's better to allow a, a parent to abuse a child every now than the state getting involved constantly and telling parents how to raise their children. And Jefferson was right. Now, Jefferson had a lot of flaws. And I'm not usually a big fan of Jefferson, to, to be sure. Jefferson had a lot of flaws. So, again, I'm not yeah, saying he yeah. was a he was, he was a perfect human being by any stretch. But he's right about this. And again, this was the standard view for centuries. It's like, look, the, the, you know, parents and family, uh, parents and children have a natural bond. Parents have a, have a biologically compelled to take care of their children. Yes, every now and then some parent has some mental disorder or screwed up, although it's not as, not as common as people claim. Every, 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 every uh, parent and family court is, claims that have a, claim a mental disorder. But yeah. sure, there, there are the rare cases. But 99% of these cases are bogus. They, they go and they raid someone's home and on, on the flimsiest of pretexts, 
And then once they put these people under the microscope, they can always find something. And then, of course, what happens, they take the child away from the parents. When the parents are upset, that's evidence that the parent is unstable. Because what you shouted at, the parents shouted at the Child Protective Service worker. Well, what do you expect? You just kidnapped their child. Yeah, right, and they're upset. Right. Oh, my gosh, the parent is upset. So you're right. Child Protective Service should be abolished. Damn Family too. court should be abolished. The whole damn thing should be ripped up and thrown away. Uh, now, if totally. there's a real crime, that's different. If you murder somebody, fine. That you have murder trial. You have criminal. You have criminal offenses. If there's a true crime, you know, someone shoots their eight-year-old son in the head with a shotgun and blows his head off. Okay, that's murder. Mm -hmm. But the mm -hmm. child protective nonsense, this abuse and neglect, which is so amorphous. Oh yeah, sure you probably talked about this on your show. What is abuse and neglect? It's whatever the hell a judge says it. Right. It's completely amorphous. I mean, there's case law after case law. This is we can't define child abuse. We have no idea what it is. It's a case by case determination. You make it up as you go along. From beginning to end, it's nonsense. The whole damn system should be torn up by the roots and thrown away. Oh, yes. Uh, you're preaching to the choir. I totally. Well, I'm sure I am. I'm sure. <laughs> I, am. <laughs> I, I just don't. It's, it's like, OK, so. But it's too lucrative. Look at all uh, the billions yeah. of dollars that are made out of this system. All of the, 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 the child psychologists and all of the judges and all of the attorneys and, and everybody from beginning to end. Everyone's laughing all the way to the back. Oh, yeah. And also with the title for B, D, and E incentivized yeah, funding. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's all part of the problem. And that, it, all, it all flows from the money. It's all the money. Right. You know? And that's another podcast in itself. But I always tell people to follow, you know, uh, what who your judge is, you know, Google them, uh, see who their connections are, see right. who their friends are, find out who donated how much to their judge campaign. Right. Uh, you know, I've always. Well, you know, the new thing, the new thing like that, that we found out, like some of these people. Uh, you know, have, have committed plagiarism when they were in law school. So oh, actually, yeah. one of the things, go back, if you want to check out a judge, go to their undergraduate, find their thesis, go to their law school, see what they've published, and do a plagiarism check. And I bet you'll you'll find an awful lot of these black robe guys uh, and ladies who are guilty of plagiarism. That may be another way uh, to get at these people. But I mean, again, I've, I've, I've known so many judges um, you know, judges can drink and drive all they want because they never get tickets. Instead of being arrested, they're escorted home by the police. Mm -hmm. So, you know, keep an eye on these people. Um, oh. You know, when I had I, I, I had a friend when I when I was uh, years ago Now he's retired now. This was a magistrate judge. He's retired. So I can tell you the story. But um, we used to go drinking and he was a designated driver because he couldn't get arrested. He could drink all he could drink, <laughs> you know, bottle after bottle. No. He would not be arrested. If we were ah. ever stopped by the police, they'd say, oh, Judge Doran. Have a good evening, sir. Maybe we can escort <laughs> you home. So he was the designated driver. Oh my God! So I've done this again. I, I I've lived this. You know, I've I've worked and had friends who were judges. I know this way the system works. So this true story. Again, uh, retired now, uh, magistrate judge Kevin Duran, and he'll tell me. He doesn't mind me telling me. He'll tell you about it. He'll, I mean, if you were to have him on your show, he'd say, "Yeah, that's true." Clark and I, yeah, we'd drive, we'd go, we'd go, we'd go out drinking, and I'd be the designated driver because I'm a judge and, and I can I can get away with it. And, and I've heard lots of other stories like this. So so again, you know, you know, you should say keep tabs on these guys. Oh yes, you know, because they will they they will slip up. You'll you'll find it and you'll get it on tape. You know, you 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 see the judges at a restaurant drinking, 
and you call the police, you don't tell them it's the judge. Give them the name. You say, you know, I saw someone drinking, got in his car, and this is the car, blah, blah, blah. And and then, you know, the cops stop him, and they and they don't arrest him. They, they escort him home and get it all on tape and then report it to the media. The crooked judge just, I mean, what do you call this? This is corruption. Judge violates the law, and unlike an ordinary person who would be arrested and go to jail and have his mm -hmm. car, you know, seized and everything else, no, you're a judge. You get to be above the law. They it's are the same thing with cops. It's, it's not just judges; it's cops as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, cops can drink and they get in, and they they and their buddies on the police force. They don't get drink drunk driving tickets. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know that that's a system we live in. That's equal justice. I know of a judge who yelled at an attorney, and uh, she said, "I don't have to follow the Constitution." Oh, they hate the Constitution. Oh no! <laughs> I I had a crazy judge. This, this is a, this is all part of the regular. This was Judge Brown who had been suspended because he he he. I think he harassed, um, harassed someone. I think anyway. I don't have to remember the details. But anyway, but I was in front of this Judge Brown, and and uh, we were arguing something, and I mentioned the Constitution. He immediately said, "Deny." Get out of, he was so furious. I said, this is unconstitutional. He immediately interrupted me. After we heard the word unconstitutional, slammed his gavel down. De motion denied. Next case. It's like he was furious that an attorney would mention the Constitution. Like, you know, there's no limits on me. I'm like God. How dare you say I have limits? Uh -huh. That's that's the way these judges tend to be. Well, how many gag orders do you think that they put out on people? Well, see, this is a very difficult question because we've never gotten any discovery in any of the case. I've done, I've done, I don't know, half a dozen gag order cases. We've never, ever had one piece of discovery on any of them. This is one of the things they cover up. Well, you can't learn about gag orders. It's secret. So, I mean, I've been trying for years to get details. I mean, like I've even I've tried to get the federal judges to order that. Tell the state judge, tell, give me a list of every case you've done a gag order. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going not to allow it. So we've never been able to get any discovery. So I don't know exactly. I can tell you anecdotally, I hear lots of gag orders about lots of gag orders. I know there were law review articles that say gag orders are common in family court. Um, but we don't, and there should be, there should be statistics. Every time there's a gag order in a case, they should be listed somewhere. You know, the administrative office of the courts or somebody should be able to tell us, mm -hmm. you know, in 27% of the cases, there's a gag order, but no, it's secret. The gag order itself is secret. You're not even allowed to say there is a gag order. That's the amazing thing. It's like, I'm gagging you and you're not even allowed to tell the world that there's a gag order. You're not even allowed, I mean, and again, in the family court context, of course, it's so pernicious because the, the the judge will say to a parent, don't talk to your children about whatever, about, about you know, the case, mm -hmm. right? And don't even tell the child you don't can't talk about the case. So, the, 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 you know, the person says, well, daddy, what happened? I can't talk to you. Why not? I can't tell you that. Well, what's the hell's going on? I can't tell you. So it's like, what kind of a what kind of a life is this? Well, you're supposed to be a parent and a child is asking you questions that he's seriously concerned about. Like, am I going to lose my parent? And when you can't even tell him what's going on. Well, so, I, and again, just makes matters worse. Going back to these uh, psychologists, these um, PhDs that are, um, you know, they'll hold a family counseling session, but they won't tell the one parent or let the other parent know when the family counseling is. So then that parent, I know that's through experience in my own case, where he would take in motions, 
uh, judge's orders, and she would allow him to read these to the kids. Mm-hmm. And then when I was a pro se litigant, um, you know, I was not a necessary filing because I don't like filling out motions or writing up briefs, although I can get a brief done in two days. However, that's what she was doing. And there was another male psychologist allowing the same behaviors. And parents need to know that when they're going in with that uh, destructive personality disordered parent, Mm-hmm. There, my kid knew more about the case than I did. Right. Well, again, I don't know that openness is necessarily bad as long as all the parties get to be open. They're not hearing one side of the, of the thing, which is what happens. You know, one side uh, violates the gag order. The other side actually obeys it. And then the side that obeys it, the honest side, you know, ends up on the losing end. But again, exactly. you speak of therapy. One, one other point before we we wrap up. One thing I've been saying for years, most of these therapists are quacks. Mm-hmm. They're engaged in malpractice. In fact, the biggest thing I see, I think is the, the biggest malpractice is these so-called therapy sessions or reunification therapy. Reunification therapy, as far as I can tell, has never worked in the history of the world. It's, it's, it's absolute medical malpractice. Parents should be suing these quack therapists. And I've had a couple of cases like this to students. It's very hard because, again, they're part of this whole system. And the judges say, no, 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 uh, I don't want you to sue these quack therapists because, you know, I appointed this quack therapist. But people should be challenging this. They should be suing them. They should be reporting these therapists to the Board of Psychological Examiners or the Board of Therapists mm-hmm. that these people are complete quacks. And they should be, uh, if their license taken away, they should have to pay, you know, uh, damages but all oh, of yeah. this therapy, and again, these judges order, the judge will order, you know, go to go to reunification therapy, pay $500 an hour for unification therapy, and I'll order you to sell your house so that we can pay the quack therapist $50,000, and it's garbage. It doesn't work. It never works. They say, oh, we're going to sit with the child for a few hours and then send them back to an abusive parent, and we're going to pretend like, oh, we've just fake, uh, fixed the situation because you were able to sit down with some quack therapist for three hours, even though for the other, you know, uh, 150 hours in the week, they're with an abusive parent. Mm-hmm. Well, it's what if, okay, so these judges know these quacks. So what if, like, yeah, the quacks I, are their friends. Right. So when my judge told me to get a psych eval, I went to my own insurance company and they gave me a printout of 300 psychologists. So I picked mm-hmm. one that lived closer to my house because I hate driving. Mm-hmm. And so it was an eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and that's where my finger landed. And I picked him and thank God I did. And he did a brilliant job with my psychological eval. It was pristine. In fact, he was so nice. He even came into the courtroom to testify for me. I just left him a voicemail and said, you know, I've got court tomorrow. I know it's short notice. Could you please come in? And he totally shot down the opposition. It was poetry in motion. And then, you know, but the judge doesn't listen to them. Even if you have, if, you, if you're lucky enough to have a good psychologist, the judge is going to work the case and their false narratives the way they want to work it because they're BFFs with the opposing attorneys. I don't know. Right. Or the or the uh, CPS, you know, yes. or quack or whoever it is. Yeah. But yeah. Well, again, that's part of the problem. If you're, if you know, you got lucky, you found a good guy, but he's an outsider. So the judge will ignore it. The other people will ignore it probably. Right. But that's how it should be. If if a judge is going to order any any type of therapist, then 
you should have to find it within your um, insurance company and have them send you a list like they did with me instead of knowing their little buddies. Well, the judge shouldn't order any therapy. Again, there shouldn't well, even be yeah. a family court. But if you're going to have a family right, court, right. you know, have something like, you know, a, a, you know, a, a beyond a reasonable doubt standard, like in a criminal case, you know, you can't interfere with custody unless there's evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that there's something nefarious going on. Right. And the burden should be on the state from the beginning or on the other side. If it's a, if it's an interparental dispute, the other parent should have to show beyond a reasonable doubt that there's abuse. And again, mm -hmm. not this amorphous neglect nonsense, which is anything that, that you say it is, or, you know, emotional abuse. They make up this nonsense. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was the indication on me with CPS was emotional abuse. Which is nonsense. It doesn't exist. No. What is emotional abuse? It's whatever I say it is. It's nothing. It's like, oh, you, she well, looked, you looked at her the wrong way one day or something. Else. Right. Right. Um, oh, we could go into another podcast. <laughs> I won't keep you. Right. Well, I, I know we're, we're, we're running at the end here. So. <laughs> but hey, don't jump off. Oh, how can people reach you if they have any questions? Well, the best way is to email me. You can go to my website, pclarklegal.com. And my email address is pclark at pclarklegal.com. So you can email me. You can get me through the website. Awesome. Hey, don't jump off. Uh, Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth, and Raised by These Wolves, How Family and Federal Courts Are Failing Our Children. You can find me on Spotify, YouTube, Apple iTunes, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, other platforms I don't know about, and feel free to donate to buy me a coffee to keep this podcast going. Thank you, Attorney Paul. I totally appreciate you. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm happy to try and spread the message. I'd love to have you back. Okay. One, yeah, one day we'll come back. Good. Thank you. Okay, Marianne. Have a great day. Good night. You too.